Hello and welcome. I'm Adrian Monk at the World Economic Forum. This is On Our Radar, a weekly look at some of the themes that attract our attention here at the Forum. Today, what's on our radar is urbanisation, cities versus country. Britain's elite universities, Oxford and Cambridge, have an expression for suspending students. Perhaps they've misbehaved, perhaps they've missed too many lectures. What happens to them? They're rusticated. You are sent to be rustic. The word tells you everything about elite attitudes to the country. The country is somewhere you're sent as a punishment. The country is somewhere elites look down on. Why is this of concern this week? Well, this week we're thinking about urbanization, particularly because the events of the US presidential election have concentrated the attention of journalists and commentators on a group of people they had previously ignored, people living in rural America. Someone who hadn't been ignoring those people was Kathy Kramer, a professor at the University of Wisconsin. Here's her account of what it was like to visit with people in small towns and rural places. People, Kramer said, expressed a deeply felt sense of not getting their fair share, and they defined it in different ways. They felt they didn't get a reasonable proportion of decision-making power. They thought key decisions were made in the big metro areas of Madison and Milwaukee, and then decreed out to the rest of the state, with little listening being done to people like them. They also thought they didn't get their fair share of the tax money. To them, too much of it went to the cities, to undeserving people. The undeserving included racial minorities on welfare, but it also included lazy urban professionals like me, working desk jobs and producing nothing more than ideas. By the way, according to my analysis of state and federal 2010 dollars, rural counties in Wisconsin do not receive fewer dollars per capita than urban counties, and they don't receive a lower share of what they pay in taxes than urban counties either. But rural counties do have higher unemployment and poverty and lower median household incomes. But perhaps most significantly, Kramer ends, the people she talked to thought they were not getting their fair share of respect. They perceived that in the rare cases that people in the cities paid any attention to people in places like theirs, they ridiculed rural folks as uneducated racists. This need to be respected, this resentment of city dwellers, well, if you go back in literature, you can find it in the fables of Aesop, the town mouse and the country mouse, going from the Greek countryside to live in the thriving Greek cities that were perhaps the first metropolitan areas, the polis, Athens, Sparta, Corinth. But actually today, cities aren't rare occurrences. They're not strange places of fascination. They're places that most of us live in. In the last five years, China's population has shifted from rural to urban. Globally, 54% of the world's population lives in urban areas. Back in 1950, just 30% of the world's population was urban. By 2050, two-thirds of the world will live in cities. This shift is going to have big effects beyond people feeling not respected, beyond people feeling that they're not getting their fair share. Economists Dimitri Zengelis and Nick Stern have been looking at what this incredible change in world population means. It's a genuine historic moment. In less than 100 years, 
the world urban population is expected to double to 8 or 9 billion, accounting for the bulk of a projected global population of around 11 billion. Yet in all the centuries that follow after this one, cities may add at most another billion to their ranks. This century is the most urbanizing in history, but it will also mark the end of humankind's great urbanization era. So this shift from country to town is something that's special to the time that we live in. And the political problems it brings with it are nothing compared to the real problems that urbanization causes. And these problems are very familiar. Zengelis and Stern are worried about this great urbanization. And they're worried not because the divide between rural dwellers and metropolitans will exercise itself in political decision-making and in electoral discontent. They're worried about it for some very fundamental reasons. Cities need sanitation. Cities cause pollution. Cities need help. They need planning. They need infrastructure. All of these things are challenges in the next century. So today we're focusing in the news and in commentary on angry rural dwellers, people in villages and small towns who feel forgotten by the 21st century. Should we be worrying about those people? Well, no one likes to be left behind. But actually, as we look ahead at the future and what it holds, we're going to be looking at megacities, cities that overtake Tokyo, cities that hold multi-millions of people on a scale we previously couldn't conceive. And if we get those cities right, they can have the kind of enduring appeal and the kind of romance that goes with places like Rome, that goes with a city like Paris, that goes with some of the great places that people around the world love to visit and love to spend time in. So if we look forward at how we can meet some of those challenges, let's consider some of the places that are gonna be driving that change. Will they be in the Midwest of America? No. They'll be in cities and towns in places like Nigeria, in somewhere like Iran. And what are the problems those cities will be facing? They're problems that will be familiar to Roman citizens from 2000 years ago. Problems that London has had to face in the 19th century in the time of Dickens. Problems like sanitation. Problems like the one that shut schools in Tehran this week. Pollution. Most big cities now are facing up to the problems caused by traffic, by industry, and by bad air. Every day in Tehran, four million people take taxi rides, a million more than commute on public transport. The pollution it causes shut the city's schools. It's resulted in the air being barely breathable for days at a time. Tehran isn't alone in having bad air. Pollution concerns have come everywhere from Paris to Beijing to Shanghai. Even Geneva, here in the Alps, isn't excluded from concerns over the quality of the air that we breathe. The problems of urbanization will be the problems we have to get right this century. They're problems we can get right with infrastructure. They're problems that can be solved. Roman aqueducts carried water into towns and cities for many, many centuries after the Roman Empire had been and gone. Roman aqueducts carried water into cities for centuries after the Roman Empire had departed. What we build in this century will be important, not just to the people who come in the ne decades ahead, but in the centuries. So how we respond to the challenge of building cities for these millions of people 
who want to leave the country behind will be one of the challenges not just of this century, but a challenge we see played out in the centuries to come. Remember that Roman aqueducts carried water into towns long after the Roman Empire had been forgotten. What we build now can have real value in the centuries to come. Sometimes when we get a little bogged down with respect and issues of pride when it comes to relationships between the city and the country dweller, we might do better off looking at the long term and the big picture. We live on a world which is urbanizing. We live in a world that needs bigger cities and more cities. And we live in a world where getting those cities right is going to be crucial in the decades and centuries ahead. I'm Adrian Monk. This is On Our Radar.